0: We are at P in our character quality of God. Anyone under 25 is allowed to give a P today? Character quality of God. Starts with a P. Provider. Provider. Anybody over twenty five can help. Powerful, Powerful. Praiseworthy. praiseworthy, perfect, perfect. Patient. patient, peace, peace. preserver. He's the potter, he's personal, he's patient, he's the great physician. We had a lot of them, didn't we? We'll see if we have this many when we get to Q next time, but we had a lot of P's here, so characteristics of God, I think it's good to focus on them from time to time. Daniel chapter 9 is our text today. suggested sermon was on being a prayer warrior and I've entitled the message The Confidence of a Prayer Warrior. I was thinking about who in my life has been a prayer warrior and I remember visiting a man one time and he told me, he says, Dale, I haven't forgotten to pray for you one time in 11 years. Ooh. What impact did that have? I call my parents and they say, We're praying for your family and for the the children, the grandchildren. We're praying for them on a regular basis. Okay. Who could I say that I'm praying for on a regular basis? There's some. But am I a prayer warrior or do I need to brush up on that? The confidence of a prayer warrior took me to Daniel chapter 9. And I do want to go through some other places in Daniel today. But the idea of the petitions of Daniel brought me to realization that this man was confident when he went to prayer, And that there was a purpose intended for going to prayer. I think some prayers are like, well, some ladies like to window shop. I don't particularly get into that. They don't expect to spend anything, but they love to the window shop. But my prayers might be like that sometimes, where I don't expect God to do anything. Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, of the seed of Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish... Seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. And have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at that day, this day. To the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled Against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that's written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear, and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name." This wasn't Daniel's first prayer. We go through the book of Daniel and we see him as a person who called out to God when he first got down into captivity. Remember what the king wanted to give? They wanted to give them a place to get uh, better so they could serve in his palaces. And he refused to eat of the king's meat. And it says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And after that three-year time, it showed that these men were of greater wisdom. In fact, it says ten times the wisdom of the other young men because they had eaten the meat and all that they had been accustomed to. And then one that that they knew did not defile God, they they forsook that, what would have defiled them and, and been against God. We see in the second chapter where Daniel is faced with interpreting a dream or else being killed. Remember, all the men of of, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's court are told that they need to interpret this dream or they're going to be killed. And uh, the king couldn't even accurately give his dream. And so Daniel called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prayer and says, Hey, we, we have to go and pray. Chapter 2, verse 18, there he, he tells him that, and he says, you're going to have to pray. And they prayed, and God showed him what the, the dream was and showed him what the interpretation was. Okay, that should have been faith-building for him, right? But as we go through the rest of Daniel, we see times where things were against the, the righteous people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tested. Are they going to serve the king? Or are they going to serve God? I believe Daniel was... Faithful and praying for them that they would stand and serve God. And they did. And God showed himself strong. We have again that the king, he decided that he needed to know an interpretation of a dream. And this time he knew what the dream was, but he didn't know what the interpretation was. And Daniel, again, is the one that saves the day by praying and saying, you know, it doesn't say he specifically prayed, but it says he was astonished for an hour. Okay? That he was... He was, God revealed to him the meaning of that dream. There was a communication with God. That two-way was there. His openness to receiving from God was there. That is the example of a prayer warrior, one that is open to God, and he's able to let God move him and show him the way. If someone would ask, if you're a prayer warrior and if I'm a prayer warrior, what would the evidence be that you or I are prayer warriors? And again, we're using that term. It doesn't use that term in the Bible to say you must be a prayer warrior in that terminology. But it is given as a command to pray. And we know that a warrior is one that's in the battle. He can't just say he is a Christian and, yes, he knows how to pray. But a, a prayer warrior is one that's in the battle. I used to do carpentry, but I, okay, I can't say that I'm a carpenter anymore. I haven't built a house or built a pole barn for a long time. But am I a carpenter? No. But do I know how to do it? Yes. To a degree. Do we know how to pray? The question is, do I pray? And am I a confident prayer warrior, one that believes that God wants to do something through the prayers that I offer? Or am I like the window shopper? You know, am I willing to set a time aside as we know Daniel did in chapter 6, where it says when he was under the gun, He went to his room and he prayed. How many times a day? Morning, night, and noon. He prayed as he always had before. He was one that had the practice. It's not when we feel like praying that is as much the time to pray. It's that I set it as a priority to do it. And my toes and my feet are getting stamped on this morning as I talk about this. Because I don't pray on my knees three times a day. And he didn't say, nowhere does it say in scripture that we must. But it's saying Daniel was a prayer warrior that saw things happen because he did that. There's no other explanation for that. He saw the power of God work within his people and within the country there over a period of 69 years, 70 years, because he prayed. And he can be classified as a confident prayer warrior. I note here in chapter 9, in verse 2, that he understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now turn with me back to Kings. Let's go back to 1 Kings and let's see what was said at the time that the temple was built by Solomon and see what the promise was and what the warning was in 1 Kings chapter 8. I'm going to look at verse 46 through 49, just briefly. Solomon is praying at the beginning of the chapter, and he is saying, we're dedicating this temple to the Lord for his presence to dwell, and that there's going to be blessing as you turn toward Jerusalem and as you pray, and as you let God have your attention. But in verse 44 he says, if thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house that I have built for thy name. Then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. I found that interesting again. I'd forgotten that was there. There is If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near, yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land, whither they were carried captives, and repent, and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captives, saying, We have sinned, and have done perversely, we have committed wickedness. And so return unto thee with all their heart, with all their soul, in the land of their enemies, which led them away captive, and pray unto thee toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Daniel went back then to the prophecy of Jeremiah, which we can turn to Jeremiah 25, where it told how long they were going to be in captivity. In Jeremiah 25, verse 11, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. The idea that there is a time period given here, and in Daniel 9, it says he went back to that. We could also go to Jeremiah 29, where he also declares uh, to have read, and that there is the prophecy that there's going to be deliverance if, if they come back and pray so the question I guess I ask myself is is there something that should have happened that didn't happen because I wasn't a confident prayer warrior I wasn't in the battle at the time the battle raged we may never know but when we see the hand of God in at work in people's lives what does it Do for us and what does it do for the kingdom of God? And I don't want to be a block. We don't want to be a block in what God wants to do in our world today. And so often it's it's easy to just be caught up in our own realm instead of pouring out as as Daniel did on behalf. Recognizing the promises of God. Here he went to the book and he saw what the promises were. And so I'm going to suggest this morning that our confidence in God's promises is one of the things that drives us to prayer. If I can fully trust the promises of God, then I can confidently go and I can pray and I can understand that God has a time in this. We don't know when it is, but we can confidently pray because we know that He has written it in His book. You know, when I was a little boy, I... I prayed that I'd get a bicycle. Well, I wasn't confident my dad would get me a bicycle, but I prayed anyway. I thought maybe there's a chance. But here with the promises that God has given, it is sure that it's going to happen. The promises have taken place before, and they're going to continue, and it's whether I know them or not. And so when I know what the promises of God are, and I claim them as Daniel did, I can confidently pray and be that warrior God, when is your time? The Jewish people, they prayed for the Messiah. When was the time? They prayed and prayed and prayed. It says every day the Jewish people prayed that the Messiah would come, that it be the day of redemption. Do we pray that the promises that God has given? So I see that as a key thing. It's, you know, God God led the children of Israel through that time of captivity And it was a difficult, difficult time. But Daniel recognized the God who was going to take them through. He had full assurance that God was going to keep the promises and he had confidence in those promises. Doubt doesn't help in praying. Now I see people that Pray and demand of God and question that, too. When they demand something of God, instead of coming humbly before God, you notice what Daniel did. He came in sackcloth and, and ashes. Do you notice in Job's the text this morning in the Sunday school, it says, in dust and ashes, Job repented. The idea of humbling himself, that was a sign of humility before God. Doubt or uncertainty doesn't help us. I also notice here in Daniel 9 that he continued to remember God's nature. He had confidence in the nature of God. We talk about the fear of God, the respect and the reverence. People in our world today have lost the fear of God in many situations. How do I come back and recognize the awesomeness of God? It's by how we meet here on Sunday. It's by our personal devotions, recognizing God is in control and we must give our time and our attention to him. We're fools if we don't. And so we're encouraged to remember that God is is in control. How about the mercy of God? The confidence that God's nature is... Merciful if I come to him. I note down later in this chapter where Daniel says, it's not because of our righteousness that I'm saying do this. It's only because of your mercy. So is your mercy there that I can, can I claim the mercy of God? Mercy is mercy. It's not something we expect, but we know the nature of God is to be merciful. Merciful. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God wants to hear that kind of prayer. He wants to hear us when we come back and say, God, I know this is, this is asking more than is deserved, but you're merciful. Do I have confidence in God that I can plead for mercy? Can I expect God to hear my prayer? Daniel expected God to hear his prayer. He was confident in the nature of God. As he went through this chapter, he talked about the sin of the people and his own. He identified with their sin. And he confessed that and said, look, I'm a part of this too. This group of people has walked away from you. And I'm going to confess this. In verse 4, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confession And said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned. As humanity, we come and say, God, I want to keep your commands, but I am so weak and I have failed and I need your forgiveness. I confidently pray for your forgiveness as David did in Psalm 51 he said God you know I I'm such a wretched sinner and he said "Create in me a clean heart renew a right spirit cast me not away his spirit was certainly right Daniel's spirit was certainly right and coming here and saying look Unto us, confusion of faces. And he said it again in verse 8. Confusion of faces. What's that mean? Unto us, shame and disappointment for how we have failed you. We don't deserve anything from you. But I confidently come to you recognizing your character qualities. Of mercy and forgiveness. O Lord, to us belongeth shame and disappointment or confusion of faces. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, even though we have rebelled. Do I count on the forgiveness of God? Am I confident that God means what he says? A warrior is someone that's in the battle. He's aggressively or energetically engaged in the battle. He's experienced in battle. He's devoted to the cause. If prayer is for an answer, if this is an answer that I need, do I keep praying until I get an answer? Let's look at Luke 18. We have an example here of persistent praying. Luke 18. This person is applauded for their importunity, meaning their continual pleading, being a part of the of the group that were confident that God meant what he said. Luke 18, to 8. And he spake a parable unto them, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. I don't think we need to ask God beyond our need. But we have the privilege to ask according to our need. I don't know. Sometimes we maybe just ask because... We're greedy. Maybe it's not really a need. Maybe it's selfish. But don't forget to ask. And when I ask in sincerity and understanding that that God wants this plea from us, And he loves to open the windows of heaven to us. Then ask. Sometimes it feels like our prayers don't get beyond the ceiling. But if we can picture that when we are knocking, we're knocking at a door that he wants to open To usher blessing to us and those we're making supplication for. Am I knocking on a wall or is it a door? If you can get that mental image. Do I expect God to answer when I have found the promise in his word And have the confidence that this is what I'm to pray about. This is where I'm to be knocking at this time because this is a need. Daniel prayed for specifics more than generalities. And that's the problem sometimes for me is when I pray in generalities, I don't ever know did God answer or didn't he answer? I believe God is honored when we pray for specifics, realizing the specific need and asking for him to have his will and way in providing that need. Prayer is work. We all know it. And as I said, I'm stepping on my toes and my legs today, breaking my legs, because the time to kneel down and to pray and to fervently ask God in specifics are too far and few between sometimes. Oh, we have quick prayers, drive-through prayers, so to speak. We We pray. But am I a prayer warrior in that I continue on praying for that need, that person, that situation? When I know it's God's will that something be accomplished, but I don't see the results yet. Daniel in chapter 9, verses 17 Through 19. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that's desolate for the Lord's sake. What was he referring to? He was referring to God giving them what was promised about going back to Jerusalem and a place again being restored that God's presence could be in. And we know the book of Ezra speaks about that. And I believe the prayer of Daniel is behind the success of the book of Ezra. The recording that they went back and they rebuilt the the temple. The king left them go. He sent goods to have the work done. It had been written and he realized it was written that he was to do that. And God moved in his heart to let that happen. And Daniel's supplications were heard. And God did shine his face upon the sanctuary that was desolate in Jerusalem. For the Lord's sake, that the Lord's name would be lifted up. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes. Behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. He knew where they had failed, but he also knew what God promised if they would plead with him. David lived, excuse me, Daniel lived a life of regular prayer, of communication with God. Not all his prayers were immediate, but I think he would stand out as a confident prayer warrior. There's other Bible characters we could look at, but we see here a man throughout the book of Daniel who was in tune with God over that period of captivity of 69 or 70 years. The reality was he heard from God time after time after time. Time in earnest prayer is not lost time. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We don't always see what our prayers do, but I go back to Revelation, where it says the prayers of the saints are gathered up in vials, as in bowls, ready to be poured out when there's a need. I love that mental image. Do I have prayers stored up in heaven, ready to be poured out on behalf of someone, ready to bless the church, ready to bless the kingdom-building efforts? Are my eyes turned up more often than turned down, turned up more often than looking left and right and comparing myself with everybody else. Are they turned up? So that God knows I'm giving him my attention. Yes, I pray three times a day. Because I eat three times a day. But is that the kind of prayer that makes me a confident prayer warrior? No. No. There is more to this in Daniel's life than that. He took it upon himself to pray. Things were better because he brought his situation before God. I don't know much about this, but in Acts 3, it says that there was an hour of prayer at the temple. And it gives the time that it was, which would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know how many people went there. I don't know a lot about it. But it's interesting to note there was a time at the temple designated as a time of prayer. Today the Holy Spirit lives inside us. We don't need to go to the temple, to church, to have the presence of God. Are we availing ourselves to the power of prayer? Do I have an hour of prayer or a time of prayer? Am I listening in any way to what God wants to happen in my life today? This happened a long time ago, but back when the telegraph was the fastest method of long-distance communication a young man applied for a job to uh, operate the communication of Morris Code. And he answered the ad to a newspaper, and he went to the office, sat with some other applicants, and at a certain time he got up and he walked into the office of the manager And the other people looked at him because they had been in the office first. Why did he step ahead of them to go in to be interviewed? When he came out, the manager came out with him and said, the rest of you can go home. This man's been hired. He said, why? It's not fair. We didn't even have an interview. Well, this man is hired. Well, how did he get hired? How did that happen? And the employer said, you know, if you had been listening and you would have understood the message, I was playing a message through Morris Code that you could hear from this waiting room. And it said, if you understand this code, come right on in. And the man understood it and he went in. Do I go in to the presence of God? Into that quiet room when I sense God is speaking and saying, Dale, it's time to stop. It's time to pray. It's time to get serious. Am I a confident prayer warrior? Or would I be considered one that is just a window shopper, never expecting to take anything home from my prayers? Daniel kneeled three times a day and prayed. We don't have to kneel to pray, but there is something that happens when we change our posture to pray. When we just stop and we say, okay, this is the moment to pray. We pull off to the side of the road and look over the valleys. And say, God, I know you're here. I want to hear from you in this situation. When we stop in the midst of a busy schedule and say, I'm going to just take three minutes. I'm going to give God my attention. I want to hear from him. That's a person that is going to walk with God. It's a person that's going to hear from God. It's a person that's going to... Because he prayed, pray more. Because he understood what that did for him. Oh, the challenge is great. And we're never going to sit here and say we have been what we could have been as a prayer warrior. But are we willing to continue to pursue the invitation to come before God and to see the hand of God open the door? and his work be expanded. Let's kneel together for prayer. God, we come before you recognizing our failings in petitioning you when you've invited us to ask, seek, and knock, We need to know your word so we understand what your will is and can pray accordingly. We also need to think about your character and what you really want to extend to your people. Lord, work in us in whatever way. Help us to to really consider how you want us to proceed in our prayer life. God, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your forgiveness. We're yours again today and this week for whatever you want, in Jesus' name, amen.